Hey, in this video, we're going to be looking at the church of Ephesus as described in the book of Revelation chapter two, right? We're going into this church, the letters of the churches, and it's a shift. And that's what we're doing in this episode, my friend. Hey, my name is George Crabb. Welcome to my channel. We're doing a whole series on Revelation. And now we're in chapter two. Hit that subscribe button down below. You won't miss anything, my friend. Here we go. Let's get right into the scripture. So here's a timeline we see before Christ, BC, right? So we know in the beginning, God, in the end, God, he's outside of time. Uh, he's not subject to time like some people think. He's outside of it. And then we see that he created the heavens and the earth. He created Adam and Eve. There's the flood. There's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. We see Joshua. This is like around 1400 to 1200 BC. Then we see David, 1000 years before Christ. We see Elijah, Eli Isaiah. We see Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, right around 500 AD. And then there was like 400 years of silence. There was also the Maccabean Revolt. That was around 167 to 160 BC, where we see this guy named Antiochus Epiphanes, who was an evil man who set up a, a horrible abomination in the temple. But then we know that the Maccabees revolted against him and conquered, uh, took, took back Jerusalem and the temple and cleansed it. And then 400 years later, after the last prophet over here we saw, Jesus was born in 0 AD. AD just means Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord he was born. And then we know in 32 AD, he was 33 years old. He died on the cross in Jerusalem as the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God, and he paid for all of our sins. And then three and a half days later, he rose from the dead, and he's at the right hand of the Father right now. And then later we see in 35 AD, we saw Paul, right? And Paul was converted. He was a Pharisee who was actually out persecuting Christians. And then he was converted, and he spread the good news about Jesus to the whole known world of that time. And then, you know, in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed just as Jesus said it would be by this evil guy named Titus, General Titus, who later became Emperor Titus. And they burned the temple. They destroyed it, killed thousands of Jewish people. It was a horrible day, um, but it was also predicted by Jesus. And that's when later on they were also dispersed throughout the world. And then later on in 95 AD, we know that John was sent to the island of Patmos by Emperor Domitian, and he wrote the book of Revelation, which gives us the final book of the Bible, which tells us exactly what's going to happen. It just means revealing. It's the revealing of Jesus Christ and his plan. And then we see this church age from the cross all the way to today. We see this church age. And then we also saw in our, our time, we saw in 1948, the nation of Israel was rebirthed. It was a miracle. And then here we are moving forward in 2022 when I made this video. And we're moving forward at 60 minutes per hour, right? One day at a time, thank God. <laughs> and um, that's where we're at. So that's a quick timeline. And uh, I like to do that because I like to have the general picture. I know you do too of what's going on and where we're at. So on the timeline, here we are. Um, we are right about here somewhere 2022. We don't know when Jesus will return. Nobody don't knows the time or day. No one. Don't let anybody fool you. But we see that right here, the big picture stuff, 95 AD, the last book of the Bible was written, and it hasn't all been fulfilled, but it's the last book of the Bible is written. It's sealed, but the actual events are still moving forward in time right now. So, all right, well, let's get into the church of Ephesus, shall we? 
So here's another timeline, and this we see is is this speaks of this church speaks of the church of that time at 95 AD when when uh, John wrote it because he was there at the church of Ephesus. He was he was in Ephesus. That's where he primarily went to church. That was his home church. He lived there with Mary. Remember, uh, Jesus said, "Behold your." Uh, your mother to John. He says, behold your son. He wanted John, it was a, he was on the cross and he was taking care of his mother. He wanted John to make sure that John took care of his mother, Mary. So we know that church history says that he, they both went to Ephesus together, that John took good care of her, and John lived to be an old man in Ephesus. And um, that's what we see right in here, that he was here at the church of Ephesus. And um, and Jesus is going to give a, a letter to this church, and, it's, and it applies to churches today, too. All these letters, these seven letters to these churches, apply to all of us today personally, and to actual churches, and to actual church history as well. And it primarily, if we're going to look at it as in church history, it speaks to the early church, and it's from 33, uh, 32 AD, right, to 100 AD. That's what we see in this, if we look at it as the church, the early church. Okay, so that's that slide. Now let's let's start looking at the scripture. So Ephesus. Ephesus was actually a famous city, okay, in the ancient world with an equally famous church. So Paul, remember, Paul ministered there. We know um, we know that John ministered there as an old man. Uh, he was there with Mary. We know that Timothy was working in Ephesus. Uh, so church history says that John ministered there with Mary, the mother of Jesus. That is so awesome. I just love that. Don't you how our Lord was thinking about his mother while he was dying on the cross and taking care of her? That was his heart. Okay, so here we're going to look at that scripture. So John chapter 19, uh, verse 26 through 27, we see that let let us not tear it, the soldiers said to one another as they held Jesus' seamless tunic, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them. Remember, that was in Psalm 22, right? And it was being fulfilled right in front of everyone's eyes at the cross. And for my clothing, they cast lots. So John the, the, wrote this book of the, the Gospel of John. In chapter 19, he quoted Psalm 22. He used the Old Testament to show us how the Old Testament was showing what was happening at the cross. Okay, so John came to Ephesus together with Mary, who had been entrusted to him by Jesus himself. Jesus cares about family. Don't let any pastor or leader tell you that God doesn't want you to be uh, into your family. You need to reject your family. That's false teaching. Jesus cared about his family. He cared about his mother, Mary. You are to care to take care of your family as well, okay? Very important. All right, so let's look at the rest of these uh, scriptures here. So this is verse 1 of chapter 2 of Revelation. And here, this is a letter to the Ephesian church or the church of Ephesus, same thing, right? Look at the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote. So to the angel, now that word is evangelical as well, right? It could just mean the leader of that church or the pastor. It could mean an angel as well. We don't know for sure. But it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. 
Now, who was that? We know from our previous episode, right, in chapter one, that speaks of Jesus himself. And he is like the, he is the great high priest in the holy place. What was in the holy place of the temple? There was the menorah, the seven golden lampstand. What was the high priest's job? They would keep the oil, the olive oil poured into it to keep the flames burning bright and hot. And over his heart the entire time were the 12 precious stones, the tribes of Israel. When that light shined brighter from the menorah, the seven golden lampstand, it reflected off of those precious stones which were over his heart. You guys see the picture there, right? Okay. So we see that Jesus is writing a letter to this church of the Ephesians, and we're going to continue in it right now. So let's look at the scripture. I know your works, Jesus said, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So that they have great discernment, right? So Paul's warning to Ephesus, that's what this is. We see that this is a, a warning, guys. Hey, later we, we see that Paul actually warned this church as well before the book of Revelation was written, because Revelation was written in 95, 96 AD. Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians way earlier, like around 50 AD. Okay, so what does he say to them? He says this, and this is in the book of, of Acts, and we can read that right now. So. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. This is in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 29 to 31. This is Paul's warning to the Ephesian church. So they're commended for that here because Jesus said, remember, this is, this is uh, verse 2 in, in the book of Revelation in chapter 2. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. So that's a com- that's a commend- commendation. Jesus is commending them for, for doing this. It's a good thing. So from this commendation of Jesus, right, this commending, we know that the Ephesians took Paul's warning seriously. They took those, those warnings from the Apostle Paul very seriously, which is a good thing. And then Jesus continues, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So Jesus starts this letter off with commending them, and I'm, what a good job, guys, you're doing this right. This is what I love about what you guys are doing. You're doing this right. But he's about to correct them on one very important thing. Watch this. We're going to look at it right now, you guys. Verse 4, But I have this against you. This is Jesus speaking to them, you guys, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Whoa. Does that speak to you, my friend? This speaks to my heart. It spoke to me when I read it. Because these letters to the churches apply to us personally, because I am the church. If you're a believer, you are the church as well. It also speaks to churches themselves, like if you're a member of a church, it speaks to the, the elders and the pastor there and the church overall. 
And it spoke to this very church back then in 96 AD. It spoke to that actual church. But it also speaks to church age and church history as well. And that's what happened with this church, the early church. They lost, they went away from their first love. They started to grow cold. Um, they were very good and sound with their doctrine. They knew their eschatology and their doctrine very well. They knew false teachers and they called them out. But they lost their first love. It's so important that we remain in God's love. Remember the things you did at first. Remember those things when you were first saved, right? And that's what he tells them to do right here. Remember, verse 5, therefore from where you have fallen and repent. That means turn around. Go back to the good stuff. Go back to Jesus. Turn around and face the light. Go towards the light so you can see what you look like. And you can see where you're going. Don't be in the shadows. Don't have your, your back to the light, right? Where all you see is the others, the light on them and their sin, but you don't see your own, right? We want to face the light. So he says, repent. That means turn around and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So he's giving them a warning and a correction right here. And he's warning them that he'll remove their lampstand from the seven golden lampstand. So he says to do the works you did at first, right? Do those works you did at first. And then in verse 6, he says to them, yet this you have. And he, he kind of sandwiches it. I know if you're, if you're a leader or a manager you, and you have to correct somebody, you always want to sandwich it. You want to give them encouragement for the good stuff they're doing, then give them the correction in the middle, right? And then at the end, you want to encourage them again about the good stuff they're doing. That's a proper way to, um, to correct somebody if you care about them. You'll do it that way. But in the middle, you'll have this correction, and that's what he had there. But now in verse 6, he sandwiches it, right? Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, right? Of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Why did Jesus hate the works of the Nicolaitans? And what is, what are, who's the Nicolaitans? What is this? We're going to look at that right now. All right. The Nicolaitans, Nico, so the word Nico means conquest, to conquer or conquest. And the Latins just means people of the church. So the Nicolaitans wanted to conquer the people of the church or conquest them or, or be their great leaders and their rulers. Remember Jesus said, he's, he was telling his disciples, don't be like the Gentiles who want to uh, rule themselves over people, that want to rule people and you know, that Jesus said, don't be like that. And that's what this church was, or these Nicolaitans or Nicolaitans are like, right? And that's what we see here. And let's let's keep looking at it, you guys. So, so they're all about conquering the people of the church. The Nicolaitans were like the shepherding movement. I don't know if anybody remembers that. When I was a little kid, there was this thing called the shepherding movement. It was not good. It was false teaching. And it was basically like you need to submit to your spiritual leader, to your pastor or whatever. You need to submit to me, they would say to their people. If anybody tells you that, get away from This is false. Don't do it, guys. Don't submit to people. You submit to God, okay? I mean, there is a, there is a hierarchy in church, and if you have a good leader— they're going to, you'll submit to them out of love because you know when they ask you to do something, it's out of love and you're, you, you'll sense that. But if they're telling you just to submit to them in a real weird, controlling way, get away from them. So the shepherding movement, that was all about this. Submit to me, they would say. And by the way, that's what Islam is all about. In fact, Muslim means submitted one. Islam is all about 
the people submitting, and that's their whole thing. Whereas our God, the true God of the universe, Jesus, and the Father and the Holy Spirit, He's all about love. He wants you to submit out of love for Him because He loves you first. We love Him because He first loved us, you guys. And that's the difference, you guys, we see. So somebody, these, these Nicolaitans were all about submit to me. And they're, they're basically like, like the shepherding movement where these shepherding movement guys in the seventies, they would say like, you know, I will tell you who to marry, where to live and what to do. In fact, give me all your money and I'll, I'll distribute your money for you. And then I'll give you some back. Maybe, you know, that's wrong guys. We don't ever want to be like that. What you need to do with these people is run. <laughs> you need to run from these people as fast as you can get away from them that is not good. It's false stuff, you guys, okay? All right, let's go into verse 4 now of chapter 2 of Revelation. I'm sorry, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So what is this tree of life like, you guys? What What, what is it? What is it? What do you think it is? It's it's the the tree that Ezekiel saw, right? It's the tree that produces fruit every month. It's the leaves are for healing. We want to be able to eat of the good fruit. The fruit of the spirit is what love. The very first thing that Paul lists: the fruit of the spirit is love, God's love, and that's what we need to have first and foremost above all things. And that's what Jesus was telling this church, you guys. So it's so important, um, and that's what he says here. He says, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So awesome, right? All right. So let's look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. And this is something later on Jesus says near the end of all these letters to the churches. He says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Or correct, right? It means correction. Not punishment, but correction. So be zealous and repent. Remember, repent means to turn your eyes back to Jesus, back to God. You're turning around and you're turning your eyes back to Him. So important, you guys. All right, so if you need to do that, if you need to repent right now, you can say this prayer to recommit your life to the Lord. Or if you don't know Jesus, you've never been born again, and you'd like to do that right now, you can do that as well. It is a very simple prayer. You're praying from your heart to God, okay? You may be feeling the Holy Spirit may be knocking on the door of God, maybe knocking on the door of your heart right now. You may be sensing that. Don't harden your heart against Him, because if you do, you may not have another chance. This is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus said, "To you must be born again. He said that to Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. In other words, you, you're born as a child of God. And there's only one way, and that's through Christ, through Jesus. And you could say the prayer right now. You want to say it? Just say these words after me. You're praying to God. You repeat the words after me, but you're praying to God. All right? All right, let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, from this day forward. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. And thank you for being raised in three days that I could be raised up someday as well. 
I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that, my friend, congratulations. God has made you new. You're, you're a new person, a child of God now. And you need to make sure you're going to a Bible-believing church or fellowship. Make sure that you're fellowshipping with other believers, right? Like in a small group, getting to know other believers. And make sure you're praying every day, my friend, and reading your Bible, right? Well, God bless you and God bless his kingdom.